0: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Do Hard Things podcast. I'm your host, JT, certified high-performance coach, transformational mindset uh, coach. And we have great discussions with engaging guests on a variety of high-performance topics. And in today's episode, I'm honored to have special guest Jenna Carlton, founder of Millennial Veterans Community and host of Vet Chat. So I'm excited to talk about the topic of uh, Millennial Veterans and and some of the, the nuances and some of the challenges that they have and really get to know uh, Jenna and talk about her service. But before we get into that, just a few housekeeping notes. If you haven't done so already, make sure you smash that subscribe button so you're notified of future episodes. If you're listening to us on Spotify or iTunes, make sure that you go leave us a review. I think iTunes, that's the only place you can really leave like a, a review that matters. It helps with the algorithm and ranking. So please go over there and leave us a review. It goes a long way to expanding our our reach. And it means a lot to me personally as I read them all. And if you're listening to us, we also are on YouTube. So you can go check us out and see our smiling faces over there as well. Share this episode with a couple of your friends. There's so many things out there that are designed to distract and be entertainment, but there's some good knowledge and some good nuggets of wisdom here that could be beneficial to someone that you know. So just ask that you take a screenshot, share it with a couple of your friends, and please let me know what your insights are. Uh, This episode is sponsored by the University of Research and Development in New Zealand. We have a program called Do Hard Things Down Under, which is hosted by yours truly, which is a leadership and confidence building course as part of uh, the larger... Uh, accelerated Emergency Response and Risk Management Bachelor and Master Degree Program. This is a great opportunity for you as a veteran to complete your education while spending time abroad in a new culture. Students can opt to stay up to an additional three months to continue their studies in the program, in New Zealand. And the academic portion includes emergency management, leadership, crisis management, business, financial management, emergency tactical, uh, a, a, and emergency tactical exercise with New Zealand first responders and then high-performance leadership essentials, risk management. And there's a aspect of tourism that includes hiking, canoeing, confidence-building activities, zip-lining. We're going to take a tour of the Rotura geothermal tour. And all students that participate in that can stay up, extend their studies for up to three months, all covered by the GI Bill. So if you like more information on that, go to doharthingsnation.com and uh, check out the Do Hard Things Down Under or Events tab. So, all right, with all of that being said, uh, I'd like to introduce our host or our uh, our guest today. I'm the host, but we're going to introduce the guest today, Jenna Carlton. So, Jenna Carlton joined the Navy in 2013 and she began training as an aerographer's, am I saying that right? Aerographer's yep. mate. Okay. And there, I'm interested to learn more about what that is. An aerographer's mate studying meteorology and oceanography. During her 4 years, she went underway on several ships and completed a deployment on CVN 75 Harry S. Truman in efforts to support Operation Inherent Resolve. In 2017, Jenna was honorably discharged and used her GI Bill to obtain a bachelor degree in public policy at St. Mary's College of Maryland. She did a summer internship at the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, where she discovered her passion for helping veterans, but was discouraged by the bureaucracy of Congress. I'd love to talk a little bit about that today. In 2020, while searching, Navy veteran Jenna became an active in the online veteran community and started a support group for younger veterans and transitioning service members called the Millennial Veterans. The group offers resources, shared experiences, and a lot of laughs through online interactions, making veterans feel less isolated and normalizing the hardships of becoming a civilian again. The Millennial Veterans share amazing stories of our veterans and keep positive conversations flowing through her weekly interviews on an IG Live called Vet Chat. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Jenna Carlton. Jenna, thanks for being here. How are you
1: doing? Hello, thanks for having me. It's great to be here, Jay. Awesome. So,
0: uh, very thorough introduction, but uh, just tell us briefly a little bit about who you are and what you do from your perspective.
1: Yes, so um, I run a Facebook group called the Millennial Veterans. Right now, it's kind of a side passion project. I do have a full-time job. I'm still working for the Navy, but on the good side, I work on the civilian side. I do contracts, so that's what I do in the day, and then at night, I like to... um, you know, I have a family. I have two daughters, and I also like to uh, be involved in the veteran community because it's an awesome community, and it's a great place for resources and to kind of plug in and connect with others.
0: Well, appreciate uh, first and foremost your service to the Navy and our country by ser- your serving in the Navy, and then your continued work beyond. Because I think that uh, you know, I've talked a lot about this. We we as the veteran community need to find continued ways to continue our service and continue to give back. And the uh, the fact that you're st- still fulfilling the, that role is, is a great service to, to so many people. What, um, I guess, ultimately, why were you interested in joining the Navy to begin with?
1: So I'm from a really small town in Wisconsin, Niagara. It's way up north. And I didn't have a lot of um, there wasn't like a lot, a lot to offer there job wise. So I just wanted, I knew I wanted to get out there. I wanted to see the world. So I joined the Navy and I really, when I joined the Navy, I wanted to be on a ship. So I took sea duty orders and I got to do um, weather. I was an aerographer's mate, which is weather, meteorology, oceanography, a lot of um, helping helping pilots know when they can fly, when they can't, what levels and, and all that fun stuff. <laughs>
0: No, that sounds like a very interesting role. And uh, what what did you learn in that? What was your, uh, uh, I guess, big big takeaway skill that you learned and developed uh, by doing that?
1: I learned that weather is just not my thing. It's not <laughs> your thing, right? <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing I learned. And it, it's really cool. It was, it was interesting, but it's just not something. Uh, most people that you see on TV, meteorologists, they have a, at least a master's degree. So for me to go on and study it, for a long term it just it was not for me
0: yeah well at least you you, you tried you gave it a shot and weather is incredibly important to military operations and
1: yeah. and
0: uh what a fascinating role so how how many years did you end up
1: serving i did four years, the four years and time. then okay. and then i got out and decided to um pursue public policy okay and um yeah. So I, I wanted to um, get into like politics, veterans politics. So I did an internship while I was in college and I got to work in Congress at the House of Representatives, the House Committee on Veterans Affairs. I did an internship in the summer. I got to sit in on hearings. I got to um you know really see policy be built for our veterans and that's where i learned a lot about um kind of the gaps between communications with policy and what uh veterans actually need and it was kind of discouraging because like uh members of congress they know what veterans need but to create policy to help them it's kind of you got to jump through a lot of hoops and a lot of people slip through the gaps so that's where i kind of um got discouraged about that and thought to do something more grassroots which is reach out Organically, to people I knew, and that's how the Facebook group started
0: yeah, and i that's discouraging to hear that um I mean there's a lot of frustration with our government in in general right now and how it operates, and here you are, you wanted to study you know you studied public policy, you wanted to go and and and, and be a part of that process, and the red tape and bureaucracy discouraged you enough to where You decided, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing, which is honorable and noble. But however, it is disconcerting as a citizen that people, good people that want to get into it, get frustrated. And so, you know, what does the future of our country look like when, when you have, this is not a problem that we're going to solve today on the podcast, but it does speak to the frustration and, and, you know, what, what were some of the things that, that you saw could, could you describe anything in particular that, that led to some frustration?
1: Yes. So uh, I think veterans issues should definitely be bipartisan. You know, it shouldn't be a Democrat or Republican things. Both parties want to help veterans. And I saw a lot of um, a lot of like, oh, well, we want to be a part of this bill. We want to put our name on it. We don't want it to we don't want to sign your bill because we want to create our own and then have our name on it. Stuff like that. Just who's going to get the credit when when that's not what should matter, it should matter what's going to be effective.
0: Yeah, that's super frustrating, and that we're 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 in this political age where you know one person will believe this, but if you have another letter behind your name, it's like they almost have to be the opposite or have a different idea. Like, can we get consensus on anything? And ultimately, who suffers? Well, the American people, and in your case, mm-hmm. the veterans are suffering uh, for that.
1: Yes. And there is a lot of veterans. We're actually, um, compared to our population, we are overrepresented in in Congress. So there is a lot of veterans that are that are serving and that are, um, you know, in on these conversations, making this policy. So there is there is that working in our favor.
0: Yeah. Well, that's at least some some good news. Um, So you ultimately you got frustrated. And so what, what what are you working on now? What are some of your passion projects now?
1: so after I had one more year of college and I was kind of just deciding if I wanted to you know reapply to work actually work in Congress or if I wanted to do something else and I decided to why not reach out to people I knew a lot of people were reaching out to me knowing that where I did the internship and needing help. A lot of my friends started getting out and just very confused on how to use the GI bill. Some people just gave up and started working because that was the easiest thing instead of, you know, trying to figure out how to use this and call the right people. So I just created a Facebook page where I put all the info out. If anyone had a question, I would tag people that I thought could answer. And it kind of became a forum of how to help people. And that's kind of what we're still doing now. And it's a growing community. Um, we have about a thousand members. So it, it grows every day. But um, a lot of answers are being, or a lot of questions are being answered. So
0: that's really frustrating to hear that we have these amazing benefits and people are just frustrated because they don't know how to use them because there's all these nuances and complications to to, to utilize them. And I, as I, I'm going through the transition process of retirement, like there, there is so many, there's just so there's nuances. And if you, if you, you need some help navigating these things, I find that even some of the people that are supposed to be working in those fields and, and experts, like, because they're so, uh, they're so difficult to navigate that sometimes they don't even know mm-hmm. how to help you <laughs> utilize the, the benefits that you so rightfully had earned. And that's for mm-hmm. sure. So Yeah.
1: And it's also hard because it varies by state. You know, if you're trying to use your GI bill in one state or a certain college, it really depends. There's a lot of different, um, different uh, requirements you have to meet depending on where you are.
0: Yeah, no. And that's, that's, that's a challenge. And I'm glad that you're out there doing this work to help. It's unfortunate that, there's a need for that, but unfortunately, yeah. You know, I, I love the fact that that you're you're doing that work and you're you're creating that that tribe and community uh, to to help uh, transitioning uh, millennials. M- millennials get a bad rap; they they get a tough rap from you know my generation. It's unfair; it's not fair. What are some of the? Um, I guess what are some of the? Um, uh, oh, well, you mentioned millennials. Veterans are some of the fastest growing group of veterans and they actually do hard things, but I find, especially in some of our veteran communities, some of the older, the the, the careerists have been in the army for or the military for a longer period of time and have this sense of frustration, which is, yeah, it's bizarre to me because it's like, well, we're the leaders. We're the one that fostered the the climate. So how are we, why are we angry at the, the millennials? But what are some of the, the differences of, of millennial veterans compared to the, the, The veterans that from other from other generations in your opinion
1: definitely so first off i'd like to say uh what a millennial is i feel like a lot of people just group all younger people into millennials but millennials are probably um ranging from like 25 to 37 year olds right now so i mean they're they're growing up the millennials are growing up and a lot of um so you see now like retention rates are falling. So a lot of millennials have only done maybe two enlistments, so like four to eight years, mm-hmm. and then they're getting out. So they're not staying in as longer. And they're also, um, they're not getting out and going to the American Legion or the VFW. They're not looking for these veteran communities. I think there's almost an identity crisis when you leave the service where you, you know you're not active duty, but what are you? You, it takes a while for you to say that you are a veteran. Yeah. So going through that and not being reinforced with a sense of community around you to say like, yes, we're, we're veterans. We, we had similar experiences. We have same benefits. We can, you know, help one another. They're, they're not tapping into that community. And that's one of my goals is to help millennial veterans tap into a community because where are millennials they're online right so that's why i I thought to like start going online and building that community to to help them
0: Why, why do you think um millennial veterans are not making a career out of the military
1: that is a great question um i would say i've heard a lot of people. I don't have any statistics on this, but really just, just the culture of the military and and how hard it is. It is a hard lifestyle, especially if you have children. Um, and it can, it can really take a toll on someone. As, as you know yourself, um, making a career out of it, it, it's a huge sacrifice, right? And um, millennials are also known for not committing not wanting to commit to something. (laughs) I think that's a huge complaint and not being able to decide. So maybe they'll, you know, decide that this was their career for, for a while. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think there's many factors that play into it and I can't really just answer that with one.
0: Yeah. I know, I know from my own experience, it's been a challenge. I was always going to get out, but I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. And they had, you know, this has recently changed, but the the, the honey pot of hey, you do twenty years, you're going to get this pension the rest of your life. You know that was one of the things that really kind of as I'm crunching numbers, like that was an enticement. But now they have since changed that, which I think is great for um, those that don't want to serve because they can have a 401k that's portable. They can take it and invest it into another mm-hmm. career. However, that that carrot of hey, commit to the army and do a career and that's over. So I'm I'm really wondering how long-term uh, will people stay uh, for a career or, or are they going to have to change and, and incentivize that in some, some way? Uh, so,
1: yes. And again, policy is very reactive, not proactive. So I think we're going to see retention rates fall a lot lower before we get some policy to really incentivize. Um,
0: yeah, and, and recruitment right now, recruitment right now is uh, we're really struggling right now, which has become a national security issue, and uh, there's some challenges there. So I think recruiting and retention in general, there's some culturally some things are probably going to have to change in the military, uh, and and I don't know, we need we need buy-in and input from the millennial generation and and the the, the newest generation that that's ready to serve. What is the the generation after the Millennials? You said that cut off at 25. I, I need to look that up.
1: So generation, is it Gen Z? Yeah, Gen Z. Gen Z. Yep. They're already 25-year-olds, the oldest ones.
0: Okay. Man, time's times flying. I, I feel I'm turning the old man. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the Millennials. <laughs> generation Z. No, I so yeah. I think uh, there's going to be some continued challenges for uh, recruitment and uh, and retention, and it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, how it uh, pans out. What are some of the common challenges that millennial veterans face in their transition?
1: In their transition, from, I think. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's that that sense of community. You know, tapping in. So, so we'll go back. When you get out, you know, you're usually displaced. You're not. You're not serving right at your hometown. You're usually across the country. You might even be across the world. So you're either going to stay there because you got a job offer on base or you're going to go somewhere to go to college. If that's not near your hometown, most likely it's not. You're not going to have that family support. So you're already losing your your peer support, the military, and then you don't have family around really to help you. So that's a huge challenge. And it's also um, it's also difficult when you get out because you feel isolated. You don't want to ask for help. A lot of millennials are getting out, like I said, at four to eight years. So they're used to having their, their hand held by the Navy, the Army. They've pretty much done everything for them, told them where to be, where to get dressed, uh, where what to wear. So you're getting out and you're getting this sense of freedom. You're still pretty young. It's going to be a challenge. You forget who you are. You're not this person who's 18 when you join. You can't just revert back to that person. You have to really put in hard work, discover who you are again. And hmm. career wise, what do you want? A lot of those careers aren't transferable to the civilian realm. So you you gotta either go to school or pick up a trade. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. It is. I think those are some of the biggest challenges.
0: Yeah. No. And I think uh, as as I have defined my coaching practice and, and really targeted who I want to work with, I want to help veterans find their next mission after their service. I think that uh, I know I stayed in the military for a long time because I didn't know what I wanted to do after service. And I couldn't, for me personally, just going to work in corporate America I needed to have a greater sense of of purpose and and mission in like, how am I going to find that after you serve, you know, your nation honorably, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, the the feeling that you get to put on the uniform, be a part of something greater than yourself, the camaraderie that is unmatched, you know, how I'm going to, I don't want to leave aspects behind, although there are certain aspects of the military, like we alluded to, it's a very hard lifestyle. You give up, you Mm -hmm. sacrifice, a lot of freedoms to continue to serve and your family sacrifices because you have, you know, long days, there's deployments, there's away time. There's a lot of stress as you gain more rank and responsibility, more is expected of you. And there's a lot of things that are beyond your control and those things I'm not going to miss. But as I transition, I'm really, you know, I'm going to miss the camaraderie. I'm going to miss the culture. I'm going to miss the uh, being a part of something greater than myself, but I was able to through trial and error, I kind of connected the dots on what are the things that I loved about the military? Well, I loved leadership. I love coaching. I love mentoring. How can I find that in a career or what, what can I do to continue that? So that's where I stumbled into coaching and I'm starting Operation Do Hard Things where I'm going to be able to help uh, veterans and millennials, you know, find their next mission and, and through performance coaching and doing like adventure retreats and things like that. I'm super excited about it. But I think a lot of veterans definitely, and I think that, that between some of the, the trauma they experience from military service and the lack of identity and camaraderie, a lot of veterans are struggling beyond their service. And I think that's attributing mm-hmm. to the high suicide rate, just being lost and almost a failure to thrive after service, when in fact, you know that they have the opportunity and ability to thrive. They just need a little bit of of guidance, right. And they need that ability to find themselves.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, and that next mission, it's, it's so crucial to be able to find because another issue that you face when you get out and how you mentioned that purpose, um, Mm -hmm. you're almost put on a pedestal when you're serving your country, you know, people look, look at you, they, they honor you, um, and the sacrifices you are making. And when you get out and you start working like an office job, it's like, well, I'm not really contributing to society like, like I used to, you know, and also the, the kind of like cultural change on how we view the military. I, I know I made this mistake when I went to school, I like walked in and into college and I was proudly like, I'm a Navy veteran. I was on an aircraft carrier last year and, and everyone just kind of looked at me like, oh, so. What, what is she about? You know, I, I felt really judged. It's not that like, we don't have that, um, kind of like respect. Like, like I did when I was a, a kid, you know, if I saw someone that was a veteran and they, you know, I was like, Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you for your service.
0: Yeah, I didn't
1: really get that at all.
0: Yeah. It's like, Oh, what, who are Why did you do that?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Who would go do that? <laughs> Now, yes, I got a lot of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, I, 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 a coach and friend of mine recently. He 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 coaches and works with veterans, and he has a great analogy about uh, the transition process. It's like you you spent most of your life learning the rules of soccer. So you know, from from birth to going through high school, you're learning how to play the game of soccer. Which is, you know, you get uniform, you you learn the rules of soccer. And, you know, you you start to play it where you're getting proficient. Then you you go off and join the military, and you learn to play full-contact rugby. So the uniforms and the pitch look very similar, but it's full-contact. Some of the scoring is a little bit different. Then you get really good at playing rugby, and uh, you become a pro. And then at some point, you have to leave the the rugby league and go back and and join the soccer teams again. And you're still out there trying to play full-contact rugby when – you think you're scoring a touchdown, knocking someone out, and then they're, they're blowing a whistle on you. And you're like, what, what? You, you know, no, that's a red card. You just, <laughs> and you're like, and you're trying to like, everything looks the same. Like the uniforms look the same. The pitch looks the same, but the rules are completely different. And mm-hmm. we have to relearn the rules of soccer again, because yeah. that's what that's, that those are the rules that society is playing by. We're no longer in the, in the, in the military playing rugby. That really uh, helped me like, understand, like, you know what, it's our responsibilities, veterans. Like we we have to take an active role in our transition and realize that you can keep that chip on your shoulder, but you're going to have mm-hmm. to assimilate if you want to thrive. And, and, but all you've been conditioned well playing rugby and all the skills that you learned will transition very nicely into playing soccer again. If you lean in on what, you know, on, on those things that made you a good rugby player. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm like, that's, that, that's a really good analogy because sometimes, you know, it's like, I, I don't, why should I, the veteran, like we, we tend to have a little bit of ego, right? We're very careful yeah. We don't want to, we're proud of our service. We've been through a lot that most people don't understand. And why should I change? You know, But the fact is we need to accept that if we want to be understood and, 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 and assimilate to, to the rest of the culture, but we have a lot of, uh, tools and leadership and, and experiences that will benefit the greater good of society.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You definitely need to know, like, um, you can, you can adapt. It's, it's normal. And it's normal to feel a little strange, almost like an alien back out in the world and that's normal, but you also need to you know, pl- play the game.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely feeling that. Cause I I'm on my, uh, Transition journey now, I took a lot of leave and I'm really focused on uh, going to networking events, you know, as an entrepreneur. And it is different. Sometimes I do feel like a fish out of water. I feel like people don't understand me. I feel like I don't understand them. But I it, so it's a process. It's a process. Uh, and and it's not an easy it, it's not easy to to go from one culture into the civilian culture.
1: Yeah, definitely. And what, what kind of has been the most the most challenging like thing getting out so far for you?
0: The challenge for me is really describing what I do in the military into civilian terms. Like people are like, Well, what do you do? Well, I had so many roles and so many hats in the military, and I could, you know, yeah, so I, I worked in S3 ops. Well, what how do I describe that? So I'm like, okay, I was a project manager. Uh, for a period of time, I worked on construction projects, but then I managed COVID reporting, like, <laughs> like all over the place. And how do I? How do I articulate my skills that make sense to a civilian? And I think that's probably wow. been kind of a hurdle. Um, also, I I can tend to be. I'm noticing that the uh, the pace that people move are a little bit slower, like. Mm-hmm if you say you're going to do something like I expect you to do it and be on time and be prompt about it. And, yes. uh, and, and the, the level of um, yeah, I guess uh, timeliness and commitment level seems to be a little bit different. If that makes sense. I you said yes too. So I'm assuming you've sensed that. What, so what have been some of the um, the transition hurdles uh, that that you faced?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a huge one, because I didn't realize how far deadlines could get pushed out. I mean, yeah, <laughs> a lot of that was my job. And I'm like, I thought we were supposed to get it done here. So I've had it done, um, waiting on this person, but they're not getting back to me just, just how um kind of lenient it is, because I'm not used to that. And also, um like, even just the other week, I showed up 15 minutes early to something. And they were like, wow, you're, you're such a early person. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. Like I yeah. thought you guys would want me here earlier. I you're mean, on time. You're late. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I was, I don't know. I don't think 15 minutes is that early to yeah. just make sure you're there on time and yeah. parking situations. Good.
0: <laughs> well, I, I have a role as a, uh, an adjunct professor and just some of the um i've just realized that i feel like i how do i say this i'm trying to learn this new role and there's some things that i have to develop in the course and i feel like i'm really on it like but the level of um s- support from the the university like 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 you said the sense of urgency, I'm putting a greater sense of urgency on things than than they are. And what I and as I realize that and as I analyze that, I'm like, well, we've been operating because everything is very fluid in the military. We have very short timelines to get things done. And everything we operate mm-hmm. with a high sense of urgency. Like everything is like life or death, or we tend to and, and so trying to realize, like, you know what, I actually have more time. I can probably just breathe a little bit more because I'm putting a, I'm putting greater stress in a sense of urgency on this than is required. And that's been kind of a a learning curve for me.
1: Yes. And, and kind of how much freedom you have to work on projects and kind of tackle it in your own way, or even back in college, you know, taking an assignment and there's not really a structure you have to follow. There's not like a a workflow that you have to hit every point. It's kind of, you kind of get to do it your own way. And that can be very, that can be very overwhelming at first too. Cause we are used to being told like, put this here, here's step one, here's step two. Yeah. So I think that was a little hard for me too.
0: Yeah. Well, t- tell us a little bit about being a female veteran. What are some of the, um, I don't know, just, just go into detail about, uh, what was it like being a female in the Navy and, and have you had some unique uh, perspectives in your transition uh, to, to civilian society as a female? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, there were some, you know, there's a lot of statistics out there that are true. Uh, it wasn't all great being a, a Navy on the ship, especially because I feel like the ship, it's just a, it's a different culture, and if you're pinned as even semi-attractive, you know everyone's going to be on your case or know who you are, where to find you. I had some stalking instances where people had to, um, had to get talked to about leaving me alone. Uh, so yeah, that that was a bad part, but it also can be really empowering to be a female in the Navy, and um, just to, you know be a an inspiration to other women who want young girls who want to do something like that and on the veteran side uh, my husband's a veteran too so he'll get recognized right away as a veteran but he's also really good at um, pointing to me and saying well she served as well which I appreciate him doing that because people do not expect me I don't think they take me seriously when I said oh yeah I was in the Navy for a few years and they're just like why what does she mean by that and I was like yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I sort wore a
0: uniform. Yeah. yeah. And I, we'd made, I, would mentioned that right before we, we hit uh, record today. Like that's um, I, there's a lot of females uh, veterans that have felt that. And I know there's a sense of frustration with that because of how society views veterans. Like we, we think, I don't know, humans are just, just the way we think sometimes. Yeah. We just kind of put people in buckets mm-hmm. and <laughs> surprise. And them. I,
1: yeah, I never get frustrated with that because I know it's not something you'd usually expect. I never, you know, as long as people aren't rude about it or saying like, oh, that's, I, I don't even know. But um, I would say that a benefit is being a, a female at the VA because there's not a lot of females that they serve. So they do give you, um, I feel like I would get more attention than a male counterpart, I get more checkups. So I did both my pregnancies through the VA and I had a coordinator, maternity care coordinator that would check in on me a lot. And, um, I was able to go to like a civilian hospital because they don't do births at VA hospitals. So I think that's one part to being a female veteran is, uh, getting, getting care at VA s- facilities and not having to compete with so many people like, like male counterparts would.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. Um, what um, has been the um, the biggest challenge in your journey transitioning from the military? What would you say the biggest challenge has been?
1: I always say isolation because probably a month after I got out, I was pregnant and I was away from home, and it was it was very isolating. I was at a very small college nobody was a veteran there was like three or four veterans i tried to start a veteran club didn't work so just being isolated and kind of um shutting myself off and not asking for help i wish i would have asked for help and i let my ego get to me i should have you know gotten a little humble and just said hey i need help i'm not doing well
0: what advice would you give other veterans that are transitioning and they're struggling to find their purpose, they're struggling to find camaraderie, how do they maybe leading up to their transition, what could they do? Or if they're finding themselves beyond transition, what could they do?
1: Be prepared, do your research, know how many months you need to apply to something, know where you need to apply, who you need to reach out to, especially, even a year out before transitioning. You don't need to know what you want to do, but just have an idea of where you want to be and save up. I was told to save at least um, like $10,000 before getting out, just just in case your GI build money doesn't come or your VA disability, just have that as a backup. So start saving money so you're financially prepared and also, I would say find a hobby because you're going to have a little more free time depending what you're doing. But just find something that's just for you, whether it's running, if it's doing art, if it's um, creating something, just just find a hobby and make sure it's something that, that's like going to help you grow as a person as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Sound advice. I mean, what I'm hearing is have a plan. You don't have to have everything's solidified. You don't have to know everything, but you need to have, just be aware that the paycheck stops. There's going to be, there's going to be gaps because we've all, you know, if you've served, you worked in the government. So you know that not everything goes as smoothly as it is designed to go mm-hmm. uh, and, and start to, to make those contacts and prepare for, hey, you're going to be able to have a life beyond this. So what are some of the things that you want to do that uh, maybe you didn't get to do as much in the, in the military? Uh, what, what hobbies do you want to get into? and have a plan for that.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's real. It's really important. And no, there's so many resources. There's so many nonprofits. There's so many great podcasts you can listen to like yours. And there's, um, even the VA has a plethora of services that you can tap into. So it's good to just create a list, see what you can, what you qualify for, what you don't.
0: Yeah. It's almost overwhelming the number of, uh, of nonprofits. And here's the challenge when, when I, I started mine, but ultimately, I, I'm looking at it to shore some of the, the, the gaps uh, and offer some scholarships. But I know that there's other nonprofits out there that would probably help me do that. But there's so many of them. Like you said, there's a plethora mm-hmm. of resources, which I think is almost problematic because there's only – not only do we not know how to – effectively use the benefits that we currently have there's so many other resources out there it's like how do i connect with them who do i connect with and that's one of the issues i wish that there was um an easier transition i wish some of these organizations would would streamline and maybe work together Mm -hmm. make that process a little bit easier for veterans
1: yes definitely especially because the average life lifespan of a nonprofit is about 10 years so a lot of them that that were working, you know, they're not even there anymore. So yeah, yeah, they fizzle out. It, it's frustrating. Um, Michelle Lang, she started a nonprofit called Veteran Help Point, and her whole mission is to consolidate a giant list of all the nonprofits and services that veterans can cannot uh, yeah. access.
0: Yeah, because that's you know that I I I want to start connecting with some of those other nonprofits so I can, you know, bring my my expertise, uh, in, into the fold, but it's like, there's so many of them. It's like, it's almost daunting. And I know as a veteran, like I, with that, with me being trying to incorporate that into what I'm doing, like just being a veteran, being overwhelmed with the transition process. It's like, how do I, how do I, like you said, I need that information consolidated, uh, that's digestible and, and made easier for me to contact people
1: yes yes and they're all they're all great intentions i feel like so many veterans get out and they want to give back they want to help others so it's a good thing but again it is hard to navigate
0: yeah yeah absolutely that's uh that that's a challenge that's uh for for sure and i'm trying to navigate that myself uh because i to be honest i would i would rather not have the nonprofit. i'd rather have the entity of what i'm doing i can just focus on coaching as a book because the nonprofit world is—I mean, really—a nonprofit is a business with just a different tax designation. You still have to mm-hmm. operate it like a business. And there's like, well, there's nuances there that I, I just want to coach and take people on adventures. And and I know that there's another nonprofit that I could probably partner with. So I'm, I'm navigating those waters yeah. myself. But all that to say, that is an area that can be overwhelming to transitioning veterans because there's so many. Which, like you said, they're good, great intention. But how do we get connected? So that's a that that could be a whole other podcast for another day.
1: It really could. <laughs>
0: Well, tell us about the Proudly She Served initiative.
1: So I am an influencer, they call it. Uh, So I'm helping promote Proudly She Served, which is a series of portraits from, uh, it honors active duty, military, and veteran women. And it's really, um, it's by Steve Alper. He's the artist and he's painted these gorgeous pictures and these women they're they're from all all different branches all different types you know they're not all all heroes they've all done great things but there's some just you know regular ones so they're all relatable and they're making um they're making a coffee book with this series and they're also going to tour these portraits around the country to different schools to show younger girls um just how empowering it can be to join the military and that this is option for you.
0: No, I, I I love that. I, when I had joined the military uh, as a combat engineer, we had, uh, we didn't have females in, in my units. And it's been interesting to see the, the dynamic you'll, you, you only maybe saw females and a handful of different military occupational skills, but at, the longer that I served uh, you know, they opened it up to, they opened up these military occupational skills to more women. And now the women are in combat arms. And, and, you know, as an officer, I serve side by side as an, as an engineer with, with females. It's just really cool to see the, the transition and the implementation and, and uh, of, of women breaking that glass ceiling and, and being more accepted into more roles within the military. And uh, I think that this is a, a great initiative. And I think that's part of the, you know, when we talk talk about society, like being when – when you tell someone you're a veteran, they look at you like, oh, they're, they're surprised in that. Well, I be, because of the previous generations, the, the, the boomers and the Generation mm-hmm. X, like we had to uh, – I guess there, there was a glass uh, – uh, the glass ceiling was kind of broken there during that time frame. And it's been really neat to see how quickly and how how – when I first came in, it was unusual to see a female where now it's like commonplace and, you know, they're in Mm -hmm. ranks with you, uh, side by side next to you. And it's, it's, it's been cool to see.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really important, as we mentioned earlier about retention rates. I mean, women, a lot of women don't even think that's an option or know that that's something they would want to get into because there's so many stigmas about like sexual assault and that. So I think, stuff stuff like probably she served going in and showing how great of a career this can be as an option for you. I think that's a great.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the finest soldiers I served with were, were females and I think females bring a, a little bit of a different perspective and dynamic compared to the, you know, when I was working in all male units uh, it was, it was, it was just different. And I really, initially I'll be honest, I'm like, cause just like just, just that, common thinking like, oh, you know, you have that, the stereotype well women aren't going to be able to do what I do and ego. Right. And then I, that, yes. but, but by serving, I'm like, okay, that's a bunch of BS. And, you know, like I said, some of the finest uh, females that I served were so, some of the finest soldiers I served with were, were females. And, um, that's, that's a stereotype that uh, had to be broken. And I love it. in a short amount of time. I feel like the military has done a really good job Uh, assimilating females into majority of the roles in the military.
1: Yeah. And I mean, think of it, Navy wise, you had to kind of rearrange the whole ship. There wasn't birthings, there wasn't places for women to sleep still on like subs. There wasn't enough room for women to have their own spot. So it really was a huge pushback because they were having to rearrange everything just to accommodate for for females to serve.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that we have, uh, we have done that, uh, as a society and as a military. And I know that there had to be some challenges and there continues to be challenges. Like, you know, we talked about this sexual harassment and, and sharp, and that's going to be an ongoing thing. That's hopefully it, it over as, as time progresses, it becomes less and less, but that has been a challenge. Um, but it's not probably as blatant and uh, and, and widespread as, uh, you know, as we make it out to be. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of talking off the cuff there a little bit because I don't have the statistics in front of me. There, it is a, a problem, but I know the military is doing yeah. their best to address it. So, so, well, tell us uh, what what else do we need to know about uh, vet chats and the other projects that you're working on.
1: So vet chats are every, every Sunday when I can at 9 p.m. We go live on Instagram and it's kind of, it's just a casual conversation. I have guests. They're not just millennial guests. I have guests of all ages, um, of all backgrounds, and we just have a casual conversation. And it's a lot of fun because you are, it's a live show. So you will get comments, you'll get commentary from uh, people that are on the live and a lot of questions. And so sometimes you'll have a plan for the conversation and then it just goes another way because you get a random question and, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So we do those on Sundays and then we have the Facebook group where you never know what's going to be posted or what kind of questions. Um, but we don't have any events. I'm really just kind of keeping things afloat right now because I do have you know, like family demands, I have um, my work demands, so I'm just kind of keeping things float because this is kind of a a ten year ten year plan for me. Because as the millennials grow, you know our our group will grow too.
0: No, I think it's fantastic work that you're doing, and and like you said, we need that uh, sense of tribe and and, and camaraderie. You know, beyond service, um, it's great that you're offering uh, uh, an option for for veterans to uh, to connect. And I've watched some of the shows, and they're they're great. I mean, I always get a a nugget of of information that's helpful. And the dynamic of having you know the the live chats there, I think that makes it entertaining. Entertaining, right? So, and I uh, love the sense of humor that veterans have. <laughs> you know, we have a yeah. darker <laughs> sense of humor than than most. It's it's great to be able to connect with like minded people. Uh, cause sometimes people don't understand our sense of humor.
1: <laughs> no, no. And that's another thing. You don't have to worry about being offensive or, you know, pushing yeah. things a little too far. <laughs>
0: yeah, Cause we say things. I mean, I say things sometimes and my fiance is like, what did you just say? I'm like, well, that's, can't talk about that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. you know, we have a, we have a deeper, darker sense of humor that, um, isn't widely accepted or understood. So it's yeah, you
1: really got to watch it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how can people get in contact with you?
1: So on Facebook, it's the Millennial Veterans, and then on Instagram, my uh, handle is the Millennial Veterans. So the nice Millennial and easy, Veterans. easy to find me.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, we'll put all your contact information in the uh, in the show notes. Is there anything else before we before we call today?
1: I think that's it. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate you having me on, Jay. And I love what you're doing with the podcast and just really inspiring people. <laughs> I need to uh I was listening to a few episodes yesterday and it really inspired me to get get out there, get back into running. I need to do something for myself.
0: We got to do hard things. That's where you develop grit and discipline. And and by having that daily discipline, when, when life happens, you can, you can deal with it better. You know, I think that's one of the things I appreciate about the military is that daily, you know, as part of the daily routine is you're going to get up and do PT first thing in the morning, rain, shine, no matter the weather conditions, you're going to suffer and you're going to, and it just, it felt good. And and I hated it. I hated it. Like, waking up and driving or yeah. standing in your formation <laughs> where you're freezing your ass off. But then once you got going, it's like, okay, this is, this is the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a lot of veterans, they, I don't know, they they steer away from it. Like I, I ran all this time in the military and I don't want to do it yeah. anymore, you know, but I think it's a critical part of our mental health and well-being, and we need that, that structure. And the cool thing is you don't have to, you know, when, anytime you do anything in the military, it's going to be harder than it needs to be. You can yeah. you can tailor it and make it you can go to the gym where it's warm, you don't have to stay in formation anymore. You can go to the the, the, the gun range and you don't have to you know stand there you know, waiting for everyone to lock and clear their weapons, mm-hmm. you can just a little bit more relaxed. But those things are yeah. what was fun about the military. Um, continue to incorporate that in your daily life. I think it's important. So yes, but I appreciate the work that you're doing. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to be on. And I would encourage anyone out there listening, if you're uh, if you're in that millennial category or even not go check out. And, and, and even, so I'm a Gen Xer and from a leadership perspective, trying to understand, cause I, I, I had some frustrations working with uh, the younger officers, right? Cause they, they, and, but really trying to understand that, you know what, they're, they're, you, you mentioned uh, what topics should we avoid? How lazy millennials are That's Kind of <laughs> a funny thing, right? They're the not, yeah, they're, they're, they're not, they just, they, they just view the world in a different lens, right? And mm-hmm. I view the world in a different lens and every generation does so. So acknowledging that I think is important. So anyway, if you're listening to this, you're a millennial veteran, go check out the work that Jenna's doing. Check out Vet Chats and we appreciate you being on.
1: Great, thank you so much.
0: No problem. In the meantime, everyone out there, keep doing hard things. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. I would also love to know, what is your takeaway? What what insight did you get from today's episode? You can screenshot this, send it to me on social, post it on social, tag me. And when you share like that, someone else else out there may need to hear this message today. Only 10% of people are engaged in personal growth and development. And uh, there could be a nugget here that could put someone in a positive trajectory. So feel free to share that, tag me in it, send me a direct message, send me an email, let me know what your thoughts are. And you can you can connect with me on all social media. You can send me an email at, jay at jayteeks.com. Take a moment, leave a review on iTunes. No matter if you're listening to Spotify or any other platform, like iTunes, I guess, is the gold standard for uh, for reviews. And it really goes a long way for uh the algorithm for people searching for personal growth and development and it helps us go a long way it means a lot to me that you took a couple minutes to do them. I, I, you know, read through all of them and you know, it, it just feels good knowing that, uh, that this show is impactful. So if you gain any value, it just has to, uh, that you do that. Um, if you want to level up, you want to take the next step in your personal growth and development, you can go to jtegs.com J A Y T I E G S.com. we got a variety of options. we got one-on-one coaching, high performance coaching through the high performance Institute certified high performance coach got a few different curriculums that I take people through I also do group coaching if you have an organization that needs a speaker or you want a live workshop I can come in deliver some training to you and your organization we also have the uh, exclusive forge mastermind group that is uh, an elite community of like-minded people that are growing together and uh, we have a weekly call there and uh, we're gonna be rolling out new content for that and then also we got apparel so the uh you know, we've got to go to DoHardThingsApparel.com. It's your do hard things shirt. Show the world that you do hard things. we got hoodies over there. we got hats. we got we got stickers. we got patches. A variety of different things. And we got a, a variety of different models uh, coming out. So uh, go, go, you can show the world that you do hard things and you can go over there and send, support us that way. That'd be great. So in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Keep doing hard things. We'll see you guys in the next episode.